0: Hello and welcome to another Juxcast. On the Juxcast today, we have Renzo. Hello, yeah. Renzo. Hey. Hi, Malcolm. John. Hello. Jeremy and Joe. Hi, Joe. Hello. And me, Malcolm. Today, we're talking about Strange Loop 2022, September. We sponsored Strange Loop this year. John, why did we decide to do that?
1: Well, it's an awesome conference for a start. It's where the Simple Made Easy taught by Richard Keep was filmed. it's a great conference where there's a real smattering of different themes and topics i guess and different things to learn many of us in just quite keen to to go there and to have that experience and to learn so we wanted to sponsor it we want to go out there we want to meet some people we want to talk about the learnings that we've been having and share some and and just open ourselves up and to go there and to partake in this experience
0: so to get ourselves in the mood for strange loop we've going to go through the board or go through the agenda and pick out things that we're really excited about going to now Thursday September 22nd is when it starts and there is a workshop in fact there's one on Wednesday the TLA plus workshop and I think Jeremy might be excited about that
2: yeah sadly I don't have a ticket for that one but uh, yeah, I'm a big fan of Hillel's uh, materials on, on all kinds of things like alloy and TLA plus uh, maybe next year
1: can you just let us know what TLA plus is Jeremy
2: yeah. Yeah. So it's a specification language, like companies like Amazon or AWS use it to validate that their big distributed systems and consensus algorithms and things are behaving as they expect. So the idea is you sort of spec out your code in this like algebraic language. So it's a bit like a pseudocode that's executable and verifiable. And it just gives you that sort of confidence that what you're building is correct. And the actual TLA is like, it's a temporal logic algebra thing. It can understand state transitions and Clever stuff. I've never actually gotten to grips with it. So it would have been a great idea for me to go to this workshop, but uh, certainly I've got a lot of other things. You may notice I'm on the lineup for Thursday. So I'm running a session on Thursday, a workshop on bi-temporal data management, which is something that's obviously very core to what we're doing at, at Juxton and uh, in, in XTDB. So that's my, my little pitch for that.
0: Yeah. You're plugging your own talk there. Uh, really
1: just, like we didn't even ask him to, he just went <laughs> straight in same words. Why, why should anyone care about this talk, Jeremy, and what would they potentially learn from it?
2: Yeah, so temporality is a concept that you probably wouldn't have heard of unless you've worked in a finance or insurance industry, but you'd recognize the concepts if you've worked in any system which has like, soft deletes or the ability to, to roll back or, or schedule events for the future, because it's all about how you model time in a relational database. And so what we've done with XTDB is to try and bring these by temporal concepts and make them first class in the database. So you don't have to implement it in your schema. It's a native part of the, the SQL spec or the query language spec. So what we've been doing with XT recently is actually implementing the SQL 2011 specification, which added these temporal operators, but basically no real implementations exist that do it comprehensively like MariaDB has added some of them, DB2 again, but like Postgres doesn't implement these features. So really the workshop is about let's see what's possible across these different systems, understand the limitations and also the benefits of doing this modeling, you know, working with the database rather than having to do it all ad hoc in your own schema. So uh, yeah, the purpose of the workshop really is to educate people on uh, how I understand that the space and the set of tools that are out there for solving these problems. And I think these problems are perennial, they exist across all industries. And as time marches on, I think more and more systems will build with this in mind as storage requirements become less of a constraint on the amount of data we store in our systems
0: okay so you've arrived at strange loop joe you've been up since four o'clock in the morning because you're jet lagged you've had breakfast and you've been for your run and you've hung on to 9 30 which are these I think we've got a choice now of six uh, events. Now, we've got a TLA Plus conference running throughout Thursday and a PWL conference running throughout Thursday. So we've got four bespoke talks. We've got Data Modeling for Developers by Alexis McKenzie and Susan King, Introduction to P5JS by Kate Hollenbach, Writing a Mobile App with Dart with Christophe Grand and Baptiste Dupuch, and Building a Block Protocol Block, Kieran and Jude Allred. Which one stands out for you, Joe?
3: So I think initially the data modeling for developers is an exercise that is anyone that's been in the role of an engineer for very long knows that this is something that they can never really definitively get right. And it's a topic that we'll all return to in so many different ways. So that data modeling for developers, I'm really interested in some new takes on that as an idea. But I think probably of that lineup, I'll be heading to visit Christoph and Baptiste on the Clojure Dart, because I just find it so interesting, the idea that Clojure is a language now that's been around for maybe 15, getting on for 15 years. And I just think seeing the work that's going on to bring Clojure into new runtimes, into new areas where we may have had a solution for kind of writing Android apps in Clojure in the past. But it's really interesting that we're now getting really fantastic kind of native experiences in these areas and things like Babashka and things like MBB are in this realm as well of still bringing Clojure to new places. So I just think that you know, Clojure Dart, in terms of projects, it has some way to go for until it's complete, but I just think that the idea of writing a real fantastic experience for writing Android apps in Clojure is just very exciting.
0: Absolutely. I completely agree with that, actually. I mean, the data modeling, I think, is very interesting for me. I noticed the other day that SQL is now the number two language. You know, SQL has grown and grown. It's now at number two in terms of job listings and things like that. It's had a massive renaissance. And I think we know why that is. Definitely 10 years ago or 20 years ago, ORMs and application servers and sort of hiding the database was the order of today. But SQL has really made a really kind of, come back with a vengeance so data modeling therefore is a key thing for people to learn so you know we definitely recommend those talks
4: i think maybe a word on the pwl conf that is close to my heart i used to organize the meetups here in london for the pwl which is the the papers we love uh, meetups so it's a conference that aggregates it's between engineering and research and usually is a little bit more on the research side, because people who are attending and people who are presenting are presenting on computer science papers. They might be the author of the paper, but they might not be. And they might just explain in simple English, perhaps what the content of the paper is about. And sometimes these papers are very interesting. They give you ideas, they give you different views about how to deal with a specific problem. So, yes, I just wanted to maybe put a word out there about what's going on at PWL and uh, yeah, Thelman, that many of us might know in the closure world is also presenting and is presenting about this work at Microsoft.
0: Cool. Okay. So moving on to the lunchtime slot. So the PW conference continues. We have Jeremy's bi-temporal data talk. Obviously we're all going to be going to support Jeremy, but in a parallel universe, which other talks would we go to? Jeremy, I think that's one for you.
2: Well, I'm always curious about what browser tools people are cooking up. And I think using a browser every day, and I think the ability to customize our experience using the web is just generally, people don't spend enough time thinking about it, I'm sick to death of having too many tabs open and not having it integrated with my knowledge management system. Yeah, I haven't actually studied the actual purpose of this talk, but certainly that title drew me in immediately. And I was using Borkdude's small closure interpreter uh, the other day. So Sai, he he has wrapped it in this thing called uh, Sittle or Skittle. And it allows you to write closure very quickly in a browser context. So you could very potentially very quickly write browser extensions in closure. Yeah, I don't think that talk is about closure, but I'm sure it gives you some ideas.
0: Okay, so that looks like a very interesting afternoon. Let's move on quickly to the afternoon. John, anything grab you? so
1: the moldable live programming with clerk this is kind of closure related so it immediately calls me towards it but i'm interested to to know what clerk is i haven't really heard of it before so it sounds like a deep dive interested to to hear from martin and jack there on on that so yeah
0: i think this is one i might not go to not just because of jeremy but because i went to this as a a closure d they did a little breakout session so we could get hands-on experience with Clark or Clerk, and really, really enjoyed it. It's it's very, very interesting. So yeah, definitely recommend going and hearing what they have to say. I'm also interested in the GraphQL TypeScript schema packages for rapid development. That sounds fun, and I'm sure it's the sort of thing that me and Alex are really into. Anything GraphQL and schema is something that floats my boat. So moving on to the evening. Any plans for the evening, Renzo? The
4: Strange Loop party? Really, I was going to pick that too. Yeah. You know, I, I've been twice to this party and yeah, I can suggest everyone to go to the city museum is a one-off experience in your life and you, you definitely have to go. Please, please use long trousers. Don't go in shorts because you're going to regret that when you're going to these huge slides that are going throughout the buildings and the floors, so that's like a, a pro trick right there. And the other thing is I noticed on the website that I went for the first time that there are many other rooms and floors that I've never seen. So I hope this year maybe they keep it completely open. Um, it's still like a large range of experiences, but I hope they, I can see also the things that I've
0: seen on the website. You've been as well, John, haven't you?
1: Yeah, I love the museum. I think it's so much fun. I think the slides are fun, but I like the kind of tubes, like the wire mesh tubes outside that you have to crawl through and that's in the open air as well. It's a good tip to wear trousers because your knees can suffer some damage, but it, it is just so much fun. And I love the kind of basement area, which is like some haunted sort of concrete dungeon thing where you can get trapped in between the crevices and occasionally you can run into somebody in some random tube that's hanging on the underside side of the ceiling and just have a conversation with someone like hey what are you doing here i'm a bit tired i really have to sit down for a bit and then you get some irreverent conversations so it's a
0: huge amount of fun I you think. get back to your hotel at 2 a.m and then the next day you wake up this time at 6 a.m go down for breakfast do your run get to the conference and nine thirty is the keynote so this must be one that everybody would go to. Expert software developers approach to error. Should we have a take a look at that? Yeah, let's do it. So this is by Marian Petra so from the Center for Research and Computing, the Open University. That is that our Open University? Is that the Open University in, in the City of the Future? Nelson Keynes.
1: Yes, it is. So she's from the Center for Research in Computing. The Open University Walton Hall in Milton Keynes. We
0: well, we'll definitely have to all turn up and support Marion yeah. there. There's some Milton Keynes
1: t shirts and things. So. Absolutely.
0: Then, fourth coffee of the morning, and we turn up at 10 50. Jeremy, we've got It Will Never Work in Theory, Beyond Blockchain, Fight AI Bias with Bias. Monad, I Love You Now, Get Out of My Time System. You oh, Mystifying cool. Privacy Preserving Computing an IPC language for the whole operating system, which one of those just by the title would you turn up to?
1: Jeremy, I just noticed that the monad I love you now get out my type system says this is a, talks about a bi-temporal data store. So it feels like right up your street, potentially distribution, dependency, tracking, caching. These are some of the core features our platform provides.
2: Well, yeah. Okay. That is news to me. Interesting. Maybe we should sync before we talk over each other or something better. Yeah, no, that's a good connection. I was about to say. Mike Anderson's talk would be the one I gravitate to because I recognize the name and he's definitely going to be talking about his blockchain closure inspired Lisp thing, which is called Convex and he's been working on for it for a while and we've spoken a few times over the last year or two. And I think it's a really cool project, like of all the sort of blockchain systems that I've l- looked at in the last few years, it's one of the most tangible and attractive, if I was going to go and build my fortunes in that blockchain space, that might be the thing I bet on.
4: It's worth noticing that this uh, It Will Never Work in Theory is another mini conference in the conference. And it's lightning talks, again, researchers are more research oriented. And in this case, the theme is about bugs in software, how to
0: automatically find them, how to automatically fix them. It's a bit like a kind of inception where you go for one and you get a whole conference within one little slot, and then you come out and you go to the main conference. So we're now in the second choice. So I think we'll go Renzo. You've got, it will never work in theory. Again, local first key agreement with hierarchical hashing. Level up your machine learning lifecycle with innovative modularized approach. Polymorphism unbound, Bruce Eccle. What we learn dissecting the world's most popular containers and how live music is evolving in a post-pandemic world.
4: Yeah, picking by author because Bruce Eckel brings back memories when I started developing and reading Thinking in Java, which was one of the books I was free, I think. That's why it was very popular. So um, I never saw him speaking. The topic is interesting also for functional programmers. Polymorphism is still part of it. So I would probably pick that one
0: in this case. Very good. Yeah, I remember. The, I think. The Java Posse, if you remember that a long time ago, a very very early Java podcast. But anyway, he co-founded the Java Posse Roundup conference, which I remember fondly. So we're now in. We've had lunch. We've come back. I think Joe, which one of these would you think you would go to? Machine learning for developer productivity. Is that about cop? That's got to be Copilot, hasn't it? Anyway, workflows: a new abstraction for distributed systems with Dominic. Tour now disaster recovery options running apache kafka in kubernetes i know you're a bit of a kafka person how to avoid hazards when using closures in scala calzb a cloud native log search platform another database there and introducing the handaxe collection patterns language
1: this is John here. Yeah, I'd, I'd be interested in DB because it's a Lucene-based sort of log store that you can query, a bit like Elasticsearch, but they've had some problems with Elasticsearch. So they go to a scale of petabytes of logs per week, which is an awful lot. So these guys have, have really pushed out the limits of Elastic. And then they're also talking about things like ingestion failures due to field conflicts. And when you've got a lot of Elasticsearch clusters, then it's operationally complex to manage them. I've seen this up front when you've got things like Zookeeper and split brains. So I'd be quite interested. Like it's a few years on since I made use of Elastic. So someone's doing something different, it's more scalable. After years of reflection on the use of Elastic, they're looking at some of the issues and they've got something fresh and new. So I'd like to learn more. And also the architecture, what they're talking about, the aggregator leaf tailor architecture enables first class support for Kubernetes. Sounds interesting. I wanna know what it's about.
0: Yeah, I think the speaker, Suman, is very well qualified. He's a tech lead of Zipkin and co-author of the Open Tracing standard from the Linux Foundation, which I think it's a lovely standard. So he's
1: a senior software engineer at Slack now. So presumably this is the technology that powers the search behind Slack, one could infer, which would be very interesting.
0: Yeah, the L of Slack actually is log.
1: All right, what's the S and the, and the C okay?
0: Searchable log of all company knowledge. Nice. Okay, so Joe, it really is your turn. This is 2:30 mm. on the, the on the Friday. Remember when we broke the internet? Resilient microservices without the chaos, avoiding the pitfalls of auto-scaling with constant work, symbolic numeric programming in Julia. Data driven investigation in defense of human rights and all about regular expressions, which is a wonderful title because it's written in a regular expression syntax.
3: I think it's hard to resist. I would have to go for the regular expression talk because, you know, who amongst us does not love regular expressions? They can be the most elegant solutions to so many different problems and obviously widely used, widely abused. And it's often fascinating getting into a bit of a deeper dive into regex. And I'm not sure whether this is about text-based regex or regular expressions more generally, as we see in things like spec, but I actually think that regex, I'm not one of these people that sort of hates on regex. I think it's such a powerful technology. And I guess I would choose that talk. Probably have my mind
0: blown during it, I should imagine yeah i would echo that thought for most of my career that regular expressions were for Perl hackers and they weren't for you know real engineers but since i think a couple of years ago we really went deep into trying to understand regular expressions and negative look ahead and look behind and all that kind of stuff and found it fascinating and, and i find them a wonderful mini language like sql and things it's a wonderful thing to have in your code arsenal and i think they work really well they're particularly fast as well we've measured how fast regular expressions can be because they're so old and they've been optimized and i'm sure there's been hundreds if not thousands of papers written about every edge of regular expressions so they're a real gem in our toolbox okay we've got two more to do and then we're into the friday night board game night so we have programmable ink don't get owned by your dependencies how firefox sandboxes its libraries and you can too light and adaptive indexing for immutable databases cogen with types for humans by humans reviving 1990s digital dress-up dolls with smooch and blueprints for a universal reasoning machine i think we'll give this one to john there's one that sort of caught my eye there john Who's this Hawken Ruhlberg?
1: Well, he's the one that's researched the area. I I was like, I'd love to see
0: you give this talk
1: because when I've looked at the work that he's been doing to have a index that goes across immutable data that takes account of time, it needs to be a multi-dimensional index, right? So you can search for a particular attribute, a particular value at this particular, well, between this time range for the immutable timeline and between this Time range for the business timeline. So, hence, it's a six dimensional index that you might have to grapple with. And that's already a very hard and interesting problem, of course. But then, if you think, well, what are the different types of indexing that you might have to come up against? If you're a database, you've got data that's flying in, right? So, you've got like a mutable layer, right, of like the index that's been updated. So you might have to have an index that's dealing with live data coming in that has to be incredibly fast to search, but can cope with these updates coming in. Um, And then you've got a couple of layers below that. And one might be ingesting big kind of chunks of immutable data and then building that into a new sort of index chunk that you can put into an object store. So a subsequent node can get hold of it and save themselves the work. So I think this is deeply fascinating. There's many different approaches to this. There's many different types of algorithms to handle this multidimensional data
0: we've had a little bit of a preview of seeing seeing what uh, hawken is posting early versions of his slide decks to our slack and um, particularly the attention to things like the typography of his slides is typical hawken and he never gives a bad talk
1: he actually gives an entertaining talk as well it's going to be great
0: okay so just almost at the end of friday we have one more talk the early days of id software programming principles with john romero Mm. wow what a rock star John Romero, of course, co-founder of id Software with John Carmack. Heroes to anyone who grew up playing Doom and Quake and Return to Castle Wolf- Wolfenstein, which was my particular favourite. Jeremy, you're a bit, you're a bit of a gamer. W- were you going to go to that talk?
2: Oh, definitely. Yeah, this is probably the biggest reason I was excited for Strange. <laughs> I saw this. <laughs> yeah, no, I absolutely. I mean, oh, the sure. stars are aligning. So now I'm really uh, hyped for this.
0: Wonderful. Okay. Well, we
3: then. I guess he's not there, but I think John Carmack has. I think, written a lot about the benefits of functional programming and really tried to bring functional programming to the world of gaming. Obviously, building games is a way of easily getting yourself into just a nightmare of mutable state everywhere. And I think, obviously, and you know, this is John Romero rather than John Carmack giving this talk, but it's interesting that there is quite a strong connection to the topics that are closely associated with Strange Loop and John Carmack and Id
0: i think it's interesting that the talk is called programming principles because of the two i wouldn't have thought that john romero would have given the talk on programming principles i thought he was more the the storyteller of the two so that that i think in in itself is interesting but yes but which other talks are are particularly interesting
1: blueprints for a universal reasoning machine how can that that not be deeply fascinating so yeah what's this one about so this is a long-standing objective of ai research has been to discover theories of general human-like reasoning so it's, a good, it's going to be, a, I guess, a deep dive into into AI reasoning machines, which sounds absolutely fascinating.
0: That's good. I'm quite interested in the programmable ink as owner of a remarkable tablet.
2: Yeah, so this guy, Shimon, is from the same research lab that Martin Kleppman's working at, so ink and switch, where they're looking at all kinds of things like CRDT, data structures, and other sort of human computer interface designs. So, yeah, this sounds really interesting to me.
0: They have some really cool blogs, don't they, You can switch that just look really nice. Okay, so we finished. Are we going to the board game night? I think so. Yeah.
1: I would say one thing I enjoy about Strangely as well is that you tend to get people splintering off and groups forming and people going for random sort of meals into random parts of St. Louis and taxi journeys. Mm. I think that's one of my most favorite parts, just you never quite know where you're going to end up. Know, who's going where, what sort of dinner you'll have, what sort of crowd you'll mix in, what sort of place you'll end up in finally. So I'm sure the board game and the board game night is going to be um, great as well. But I just enjoy just getting out there and meeting people. So that's part of the, the thrill, just this, this big sort of conference, just
0: going around St. Louis and seeing what's what. Yeah, I have to say, I'm looking forward to it, just like, you know, going all the way out to America on a flight. And I'm fascinated with history and the fact that you're going to a historical city that, that hosted the world fair in 1904 and the, the olympics and it was a middle milton Keynes of its day actually and just to go out there and explore a historic city in america because it's, it's, i've never even been to missouri so to go to um uh, st louis will be a r- real treat so I, I don't know whether i'll go to this one i might want to just see how the, the conference takes me sort of roam about but so we're we're now truly over our jet lag we're up at 7 a.m we've had our breakfast we've done our running and it's it's nice sun is shining and it's 9:30 we have leveraging ai for global health benchise AI, ai a data centric machine learning platform which i'm sure we'll all go to that yeah you know when you see all of the developments you know we've seen all the kind of things this year about ai in art Okay, quite exciting to see yeah. uh, ai in health
4: yeah for sure yeah
0: you can probably tell
4: from some of the talks that we already went through that there is maybe an implicit theme this year in strange loop. It looks there are many AI and machine learning talks. Maybe I'm wrong, but it looks like a few already.
1: Does anyone else think that it's like this year is when the future's actually arrived? You know, like Dali and all these AI tools to build out this wonderful art. And what's that thing called the the bot that generates you that text or the GPT? Yeah, GPT-3. It feels like we're We've had a bit of a gap where people were wondering, you know, has it really landed? Is AI really going to deliver anything that's going to be truly groundbreaking? But this year, suddenly, or the last year, it's just been this avalanche of amazing things that are happening. So I take your theme, what you're suggesting there, Renzo, and broaden it out. It feels like this is the year, this is the epoch where AI is really coming in and changing things.
0: Yeah, obviously, I've mentioned this on the Slack, but for me, the quote that technology at any degree of sophistication is indistinguishable. From magic and i really got that sense of magic at the weekend when i was with my daughter in the shed and we were playing around with stable diffusion which has just been launched last uh, but it's about a week old and we were playing with the image to image mode of stable diffusion so this is where you can draw an image on a piece or upload an image and you can use get that to be used as the seed and then you can ask the the algorithm to to return you an image based on your prompt and so tara was drawing little diagrams of stories and a little teddy bear and we put it into the machine and asked it for a huggable teddy bear and we've got some really really good results out but trouble is many of the times i got my gpu got the error message gpu cuda out of memory pytorch some sort of python error and so there's a lot of it was like juggling with little parameters to try and get the thing to work but when we did get it working boy that was magic amazing amazing stuff and I think in a world where we're used to everything going on the cloud and away from us to be able to download something and run it on your own computer again and have it be open source I think was that really impressed me.
3: it's interesting that I guess the name of the conference itself of course comes from a seminal AI book by Douglas Hofstadter so I'm not actually sure if there's been a sort of prevalence of AI material at Strange Loop in the past, I've always associated it very much obviously with interesting tech, quite an association with functional programming. I'm not sure if there has been much AI content in the past, despite the fact that that's where the name of the com- conference comes from, the sort of area, the field where the name comes from. Um, so I guess maybe the the interesting AI tech and the Strange Loop conference have now uh,
0: collided this year. Yeah. Okay. So 10.50 right we're on the last day of the conference so we have building observability for 99 percent developers with gene yang powering spotify's audio personalization platform formally verifying everybody's cryptography haiti a gradual programming language and the education of a civic technologist wow there's a lot a lot of talks a lot of depth there which one renzo takes your fancy
4: yeah it's a it's a tough choice i'm always interested by new programming language gradual programming language uh, yeah quite curious to know what is about why it should be featured at the conference the second would probably be uh, spotify personalization platform but just to see the sheer scale that they're using to do this kind of personalizations
0: so i'm curious about this too i think they're formally verifying everybody's cryptography is a bold claim
3: yeah
4: I'm scared about the math. You shouldn't be.
0: Right? You uh, should be brave. And maybe there is none. So, <laughs> so we we go to 11:40. A commerce-centric approach to queuing fairly at high throughput. From bare metal to cloud native, the evolution of a planetary-scale distributed database. Wow. Open sourcing Venice. Time travel debugging JavaScript applications. There are no shortcuts in organizing, but technology sure does help and stop writing dead programs by our friend Jack Russia, Jeremy, which one do you think you'll be going to?
2: It's really tough. some really interesting things that planetary scale database system mentions actually by new relics so it's like an internal system, which I think is always the most interesting part of like. Like where databases come from is like understanding the context, like the specific business problems they were trying to solve. They couldn't find anything else off the shelf that worked. So for me, I think that's necessarily the, the best choice or the most optimal choice. But yeah, Jack Rush's talks all seems very interesting. Like presumably it's about and his interesting, like this uh, multiple development and the sort of image-based development and having everything being interactive. Like I think that's also very important. The time travel debugging does mention retroactively changing the past as well. So it's like a bi-temporal angle there, which would be fascinating. Um, But yeah, I think the new Relic talk has it for me.
0: Well, thanks. Thanks, Jeremy. Okay, so rattling through lunch. We're we're back after lunch. We've been fed. We've got Python performance matters, formal modeling and analysis of distributed systems, finding critical bugs early. If only I owned my own data, architecting decentralized data systems of JavaScript ahead of time compilation performance and MetaLens extending the Linux kernel with visual programming. I think I'm going to, and I'm going to take this one, I'm really interested in data sovereignty. I love the idea of owning my own data and companies owning their own data. So I think I would be interested to go to Catherine's talk if I owned my own data. Anyone else got any Alternatives. My second choice would go to formal modeling and
4: analysis of distributed systems. It looks like a TLA plus related. I'm not sure if it's TLA
0: plus, but yeah, it's probably about formal verification. Yeah, it doesn't mention Jepsen. So, well, I, I know Jepsen is more, more around running a distributed test suite, but this looks like it's complementary. Okay, one next one for you, Joe. We have automatic. Generation of runtime checkers for production distributed systems. In the land of the sizing, the one partition Kafka topic is king. AVIF creating a new image format in the open. A hipster history of course. Diagrammer making simply make interactive diagrams and art you can make by spying on yourself with your phone.
3: There's a bunch of interesting ones there. Um... I think AVIF is a pretty fascinating tech and quite mind-blowing when you see some of the results. But I think I'd probably have to choose land of the sizing, the one partition Kafka topic is king. I think anyone that's used Kafka or other large distributed sort of event-based or log systems knows that this question of how to maximize performance and how to deal with partitioning becomes, you know, it's always a kind of a concern about how to how to partition your data, where you where you need ordering guarantees. If you're going to split data across from many topics, even how you're going to maintain the ordering guarantees you need as things data moves from one topic to another. I think the idea of this um, single partition topic is very attractive, of course, because it gives you ordering and ordering guarantee across all of your data. But the, the questions then of how to process this data in a formant way come in. So I'm really interested. I think if I can learn something from this talk about new strategies for partitioning or some interesting like takes here, then this can be quite a, a really interesting new fundamental tool in the toolbox when you come to some of these partitioning questions.
0: Thanks, Joe. Uh, sadly, we're almost at the end of our conference. We have just the last choice to make here, so I think we'll leave this to Jeremy. A distributed file system for secure P2P applications. Hodor, great name there, Hodor, detecting and addressing overload in LinkedIn microservices. The Vera C. Rubin Observatory Legacy Survey of Space and Time, that might be one for you, John. Live UJS is the anti-SBA library for reactive app development in Node.js and Dino. Sniffing the Metaverse and Modern B-tree techniques.
2: Ooh.
0: I think we can all have a stab at that. What's your favorite, Jeremy?
2: Yeah, I probably go for the live LiveVue.js. I'm quite excited really about, and I've personally my own journey gone to the full 180 on do I want single page applications or like loads of logic on the front end and live views from the Elixir uh, ecosystem where they have this Phoenix live view thing. So I guess someone's made a, a port to, to JavaScript anyway, and bringing that concept of pushing as much UI logic back to the server because it's much easier to manage and scale in some ways and develop it. I guess developing is the biggest benefit But um, I'm curious to see what the ecosystem looks like and what that fresh energy going into the front end looks like these days, cause I've stepped away from it a little bit in the past couple of years. So
0: that'd be my choice. John, would you go to Hodor just because of the Game of Thrones reference?
1: It did link me to it. I mean, it's an amazing name. What does it stand for? Holistic overload detection and overload remediation. But anyway, I, I think this is quite fascinating. So this is the, the idea there's lots and lots of microservices that have been deployed at this huge scale to power LinkedIn and some microservices might have issues, they might go down. It could be some resource issue or something else. And so how do you allow that microservice to come back up, feeding it just enough traffic? Uh, I, I think it's quite a fascinating problem. I Love imagining and looking into how these huge enterprises, these huge companies function. In terms of all these different services, whether they're micro or not. So I'm fascinated just just to learn more and to get a feel for it. But of course, as an amateur astronomer, I'm interested in the, uh, the legacy survey of space and time. My camera at home is 26 megapixels. This one is 3200. It's, it's going to be very fascinating just to learn about how they operate this telescope, what the concerns are, but also, frankly, more interesting, what it is actually doing, like what are they studying and what does it mean to survey space and time, looking into dark matter, trying to solve some mysteries. So it's going to be deeply fascinating. I think I'll go to that.
4: Yeah, I want to know how much space does it take to to save a single image? Yes.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's 50 megs for a 26 megapixel image. This
0: Would be. you store that image on a distributed file system for secure P2P applications? I think it's a very interesting talk. And I think that the, the whole area of having control over privacy and encryption and who who owns what data and being able to collaborate but, but securely, I think it, it is a very interesting problem and i'd like to i don't know very much about this but i'd like to go and see brooklyn's talk so i think i'll be going to that one i think i'll be super tired at this point as we all will be but we've got one more talk to go to which is the secure software supply chain who's going to be going to that and who's going to be going to the bar they're not in uh, competition are they so you can go to this mm. um, yeah i think this is one of the problems of our age you know everything is but we've got so much reuse that was the sort of big theme of 20 years ago could we get everybody to reuse software and not keep writing it now we've got all this reuse and we've got this huge vulnerability that some of the biggest breaches come through this software supply chain attack and i think this is a huge problem we have to solve so i i definitely want to be going to this talk and listening to kelsey hightower okay so we are all going to be at strange loop this year and uh, a few other people from Juxt. i think there's uh, 11 of us going over there may or may not be extra tickets available from juxt keep an eye on our twitter account
1: so we are platinum sponsoring which means there'll be a small crowd of us there and really we want people to come and talk to us Mm. meet lots of people and have interesting conversations we have an amazing booth just
4: in front of the dining area so you cannot miss it you want some refreshments we'll have
0: some in the fridge Everyone from Jux will be wearing a black T-shirt with the Jux logo on it. So if you want to find somebody with a black T-shirt with the Jux logo, then do. And I think that wraps it up. Well, thank you very much, everybody. I'm really super excited about going to the conference. I think we all are. And uh, hopefully this preview has about your appetite if you haven't got a ticket and this encourages you to to go and get one i think it's going to be a fantastic conference wonderful to have the have a conference where everybody's back face to face person to person and like it always was so i think we're all looking forward to the trip thank you very much for listening goodbye renzo thank you welcome thank you goodbye john
1: thank you i'm looking forward to the breakfast i always have there which is i get these enormous waffles and pour on the strawberry and maple syrup and create a lovely big mush that i start every day with so i'm
0: looking forward to that as well goodbye jeremy
2: cool see you soon i'm really looking forward to coming back home and watching all the ones i missed on double speed that's the best bit And um,
0: goodbye joe cheers malcolm thank you that's goodbye for me malcolm see you soon thank you Bye bye-bye, bye-bye.